coming to you from Corwell Health. This is your house call. Did you know that heart disease is the leading cause of death in the U.S.? Year over year, nearly 700,000 deaths annually in the U.S. are attributable to heart disease, which includes heart attacks, congestive heart failure, and heart rhythm disturbances. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, about 80% of cardiovascular disease, including premature heart attacks, is preventable with lifestyle interventions like a healthier diet, regular exercise, stress reduction, and not smoking. Keep it here. The House Call Podcast is here to talk about heart health and the many ways you can lower your risk of heart disease. Hello and welcome to the House Call Podcast. I'm Dr. Nick Gilpin, and my goal is to help you and your family live a smarter, healthier life. Today, as I mentioned in the intro, we're talking about heart health. This is a huge, incredibly important topic. And to tackle this topic, we have an awesome guest that's coming to us from across the state of Michigan. Dr. Willie Lawrence is an interventional cardiologist who practices in Southeast Michigan, including at the Center for Better Health and Wellness in Benton Harbor, Michigan, where he serves as the medical director for the city. He also serves as medical director of health equity at Corwell Health South, and he was recently honored as Press Ganey's HX23, that's Human Experience, Physician of the Year, which is an incredible honor. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Lawrence. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I look forward to our discussions. Yeah, same. So, Dr. Lawrence, first things first, um, let's give brief mention to the fact that we are recording this podcast. Uh, it is coming on the heels of February, and February is American Heart Health Month. Um, and this is a time for raised awareness uh, for heart disease, and it's also a time for people to reflect and to focus on their own cardiovascular health. February also happens to be Black History Month, which is dedicated to honoring the achievements and the struggles of the black community. And I think that um, in having this conversation, there is an important intersection between these two topics. According to the CDC, African Americans age 18 to 49 are twice as likely to die from heart disease as white people. And African Americans are also much more likely to have the cardiovascular risk factors like high blood pressure, diabetes, and obesity compared to non-Hispanic white cohorts. So Dr. Lawrence, I know that health equity and addressing and eliminating some of these uh, health disparities is something that you're very passionate about. So let me ask a few uh, specific questions. First of all, in the community where you work, uh, what disparities are there and how are you working to improve the situation? Well, there are disparities and, and health outcomes, uh, heart disease, stroke, uh, kidney disease, you know, the rates of these diseases are, are higher in, in black Americans than white Americans. Mm -hmm. And more than anything, this represents the, the disparities that you see in the risk factors for heart disease, for stroke, for, for, for kidney disease. Our focus is on eliminating these disparities and in order to do that, we have to impact the risk factors for developing these uh, disparities. And that, and that is the focus of the programming that we're, we're trying to develop. Yeah, so I agree. Uh, raising awareness, obviously, is a, is a huge step in the right direction. Can you talk a little bit about health equity and what specific things are, are you doing to help the Benton Harbor community, which, uh, which I know is a big part of your current medical director role? 
Well, one of the focuses that we have is on, on high blood pressure. When your heart contracts, it creates pressures in the arteries of your, of your body. The peak pressure when the heart contracts is the systolic pressure. That's at, just before the heart contracts again, the arteries have a pressure that's called the diastolic pressure. So when someone measures your pressure, they get a top number and a bottom number. Uh, we know that the higher those numbers, the greater the risk you individually have of developing a complication of high blood pressure. We know that the high blood pressure rates for, for black folks is, is greater than the rates for white folks. We know that uh, blood pressure is, is less well controlled in blacks than whites in, in general in almost any community that you look at. So, so one of the, the things that we're focusing on is doing a better job of, of managing high blood pressure. But let's just back up a little bit about this high blood pressure thing. In, in, in point of fact, most systems of care do a horrible job of managing high blood pressure in all of our patients. So, so one of our first efforts when I arrived here was to, to, to try to develop a program that would, would improve the blood pressure control of all of our patients. Uh, we know that once your blood pressure gets above 120 on the top number, we'll just focus on the top number, your risk of developing heart disease goes up. So when you look at high blood pressure, we consider a blood pressure of 120 to 130 to be an elevated blood pressure. The risk really increased when the blood pressure gets above 130. And so that's what we sort of arbitrarily defined as hypertension, recognizing that even at blood pressures as, 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 as low as 120, you begin to see increased risk of complications. And, and then the question becomes, well, what's an ideal blood pressure for somebody? And that question was actually answered in about 2017 in a, a study called the SPRINT trial. We're not going to go into all of these trials. But what became clear was that if you actually decrease blood pressure to 120, there is a significant benefit. Uh, the problem is, is that as you get lower, you can have some risk factors, the risk associated with having the blood pressure too low. So we decided that, well, we'll, we'll, we'll make the new goal 130. You go into most offices and people will say, oh, no, Miss, Miss Jones, your blood pressure is 142. That's good for you. But that's not right. And so it's been a slow process getting providers to understand that, no, we need to lower blood pressure ideally to 130. When you look at the current recommendation of lowering to 130, only about 30% of patients have their blood pressure ideally controlled. So that means that all of our patients have poor control. And it's even, it's even worse. And, and blacks. So one of the first things that we've done here at Spectrum is to begin to set up a system of care working with the American Medical Association to improve the blood pressure control of all of our patients because we do a horrible job. You know, the only, the, uh, Nick, the only place where 30% is good is in baseball. If you bet 300, that's great. Right. Yeah. Where, where else in, in, in your daily life can you tell me that 30% is good. It's certainly, I don't want my kids coming home with 30% on their homework. <laughs> right. This is a discussion not only related to health equity, but we know that in the United States, we do a horrible job of treating what is the most important risk factor for developing heart disease and stroke in our entire population. It's an equity issue, but it's also an issue for all of our patients. Well said. Um, let, let me pull that, that string a little bit and stay with hypertension. I mentioned in the intro, heart disease, terrible as it is, preventable in most cases, 
you're talking about hypertension. You're you're saying we need to set better goals, not just for the community, but also physicians uh, themselves need to do a better job of capturing and identifying hypertension in the patient population. So I'm a patient with hypertension, right? I go to the doctor's office. My doctor says my blood pressure is high. What would I expect as a patient? What are some things I can do for myself? What are some things that my physician might do for me to help improve my blood pressure situation? Well, first we have to recognize that the heart disease and hypertension in particular, it's just a barometer. It's a barometer of everything that's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. And there are things that you can do, lifestyle things that you can do that are fundamental to the management of, of hypertension. Uh, we know that the life so-called essential eight impact your health. We're talking about uh, whether your, your, your diet, exercise, stress, the amount of the amount of sleep that you get, all of these things impact your health. In, in point of fact, it's said that your zip code is a better predictor of your health than your genetic code, because depending upon where you live, worship, you, you, may, you may feel more stress, and that impacts your, your blood pressure, whether you have walking paths and whether it's safe to walk in your community to go out and exercise, that can impact your, your health. And so the so-called social determinants of health have a bigger impact on our health than what goes on in the, the two visits you may make with someone like me uh, in, your, in your lifetime. So what goes on outside of the physician's office is extremely important. And, and when we think about the concept of wellness versus illness, you understand that the, it's what you do is as important as what your doctor does in terms of determining your, your health. So we need to focus on those things. Some things we can't control, but some things we can control individually. And we need to focus on those wellness issues individually. And I think what you're saying, uh, Dr. Lawrence, carries over to those other risk factors that we've that we've sort of um, alluded to along the way, right? Like we're we're spending a lot of time talking in the context of of high blood pressure, hypertension, but we also have other chronic diseases like diabetes, uh, obesity, uh, etc. I think you can apply that same level to those other conditions, right? Um, social determinants better nutrition, regular exercise, stress reduction, managing chronic inflammation, all of those things will have an impact on all of those other conditions as well. Yeah, absolutely. And these so-called lifestyle issues, they impact not only heart disease, they impact uh, your diabetes, hypertension, your cholesterol. All those things are connected. It, uh, they contribute to your individual health, the collective health of a community, and they impact the disparities that exists in these uh, various chronic diseases. One thing I want to talk about briefly is sort of the medical management of some of these uh, of these conditions, some of these risk factors, um, because I think this is important, especially many of our patients will go to the physician's office and they will be told that they have high blood pressure or they have underlying coronary disease or even just risk factors for coronary disease. And their physician will often want to prescribe medications. It, it can be a, a contentious issue for patients. You go to the doctor, you end up going home with, you know, four prescriptions for different medications. So I want to talk a little bit about some of that, uh, how, how that sort of rolls into this, you know, the role of the physician in managing some of these chronic diseases. What can patients expect that their physician might provide for them? Well, first of all, when you walk into your doctor's office or your provider's office, Sometimes the first thing they do is they say, you know, 
Mrs. Jones, for instance, Mrs. Jones, a 65-year-old lady, hadn't been at the doctor in a while. She goes in the doctor's office, and the first thing they do is say, Mrs. Jones, jump over on that table and check your temperature, check your blood pressure. And that blood pressure will inevitably be high. Right. And it's important that as an individual that you know the important steps in having your blood pressure checked so that you know that it's not that it's not artificially high. And once you establish that someone really has a diagnosis of, of, of high blood pressure where the blood pressure is consistently greater than 130, uh, whether or not you require medications depends upon how high that blood pressure is. If your blood pressure is 120 to 130, that again, that's considered elevated. The first step is, is diet, exercise, all those things that we talked about previously. But if your blood pressure on multiple occasions greater than 140, then the current recommendation is that you start two blood pressure medicines right away. Mm -hmm. uh, be because what we know is that providers unfortunately, we'll look at that blood pressure and say, oh, it's a little high, go work on that. Right. Six months later, patient comes back, blood pressure is still high. So the American Medical Association has developed this program called MAP. M stands for measure accurately. So you give Mrs. Jones a chance to calm down. You wait five minutes, make sure she's at rest when you check the blood pressure. So you get an accurate blood pressure. A stands for act quickly. We know that the, the main reason for blood pressure not being better controlled in this country is that providers fail to act quickly, rapidly, when they recognize that someone has a blood pressure that's consistently elevated. And part of acting quickly is recognizing the fact that if, you're, if your blood pressure is consistently greater than 140, you're going to need medical management. You're going to need not one medication. You're going to start with two medications to control that blood pressure. Uh, there's a science to this. These recommendations are based upon studies, and we fail to act quickly. What patients want to need to not do is feel stigmatized by being on blood pressure medicines. Okay. Hypertension is a disease, and if your blood pressure is consistently greater than 140, you're going to need medications until you do something that changes your health. Those things we talked about before, exercise, weight loss, diet, you can do those things. And then ultimately, you may be able to get rid of some of the medicines. And those lifestyle things are important for everybody. Even if you have stage two hypertension, you can lower your blood pressure by by you know, five millimeters of mercury through exercise, through diet, all those other things. So for everybody, foundational are the lifestyle things that allow you to achieve wellness, but don't have us don't be stigmatized, feel stigmatized by being on blood pressure medicines because ultimately 80% of Americans are gonna get hypertension as they as they get older. And the rates of hypertension in most populations are you know, 50, 60%, certainly in the uh, in the uh, black American population. So map, measure, act quickly. What's the P? You partner with patients. Partner with patients, partner in the community. Uh, you use resources in the community to help. Uh, you know, I used to think that, you know, I worked as a cardiologist, ran a cardiology program for a dozen years. I thought my job was just to write that prescription. Here, Mrs. Jones, here's your blood pressure medicine. I'll, I'll, I'll see you in a few months, okay? <laughs> um, and Mrs. Jones would come back, the blood pressure's still high. Because I didn't do my job. You know, there's a lot going on in Mrs. Jones' life. 
And I assume that I just got to write a, a, a prescription and my job is done. I don't know whether she has the money to fill that prescription. Maybe she needs some help at home. I don't know what stress is going on in her life. I didn't offer her an exercise uh, uh, program. I didn't talk to her about mindness and meditation and some of the things that you can do with integrative medicine that can that can improve your your health. So so P is partnering with patients, recognizing that other things going on in life and meeting people where they are and trying to provide them with resources to deal with the 80 percent of the social determinants of health that impact that 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 blood pressure. But uh, as a healthcare system, we, if we want to improve the health of a community, we can't just exist as the you know, ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. You know, you, some of you heard of the cliff analogy. You have a you, what, what, what hospitals historically do. They're the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. They look up, they wait, somebody falls and hits the ground. They have their heart attack, their stroke, you know, their kidney failure. And we and the hospital works on the net. If we want to change the health of the community, we need a net. We need to catch them as they're falling. We need to not let them hit the ground. We need to put a fence up so they never fall in the first place. They don't hit, they, they never fall. And then we need to move that fence backwards. And that's what we do with all our wellness programs. We try to prevent people from falling to the ground. And we don't wait for them to do that. Uh, and, and that's what we're trying to do here at the Center for Better Health as well. I appreciate that, Dr. Lawrence. So let me shift gears a little bit to from preventing um, heart disease to the other side of the equation, which I think is more about timely recognition and intervention once heart disease is uh, is a thing. So tell our listeners what you tell your patients about the signs and symptoms of heart disease. What should we be looking out for? And if we think we're having a, a heart-related issue, a heart attack or something else, what should we do? Well, well heart disease is a, it's a spectrum, so to speak. When we're talking about hypertension, we'll start there and then we'll go to some other disease. When we talk about hypertension, you can't wait for symptoms. You know, people will talk about the silent killer. That's hypertension. You can't wait for symptoms to know whether you should start treatment. Uh, other types of heart disease uh, typically manifest themselves in different ways. Uh, for instance, if you develop a weak heart, so-called congestive heart failure, the heart's a pump. If that pump doesn't work well fluid will back up. It'll back up into your lungs. It'll cause you to be short of breath. It'll back up into your legs. It'll cause you to have swelling. So all of a sudden, you got to know your body. If something's changed, all of a sudden, you're a little short of breath. You got a little swelling. That, that may be a sign of, of, of heart disease or, or kidney disease. Uh, in terms of blockages in your heart vessels, the heart's a pump, and that, it pumps continuously. When you, when you do more, it needs more blood. If there's a narrowing in one of the arteries, it's during times of, of exertion uh, that you see a manifestation of, of this poor blood flow to the heart, the inability for the body to augment flow to the heart. And, and so you'll get symptoms associated with exertion, whether it's shortness of breath, maybe get a little chest discomfort, uh, maybe your, your jaw hurts. Uh, but all of a sudden, you got you were able to do things and, and without much in a way of limitations or symptoms. But now, all of a sudden, you get these funny symptoms when you try to do something. And, and so symptoms during exertion are, are often manifestations of heart disease. They may be unusual, not typical symptoms. That, you know, the typical classic symptom of so-called angina is this pressing tightness in your chest when you exert yourself. You rest for a few minutes, it goes away. But uh, you don't always, not everyone has those symptoms. So the symptoms may be a little atypical, especially in 
and, and diabetics, you may not get any chest discomfort. It may just be a sense of, of breathlessness when you exert yourself. But the key thing is that symptoms seem to be in some way related to exertion, something new. And let's not forget about stroke. You know, if all of a sudden you you have difficulty speaking or you have your arm gets weak intermittently or that could be a, a, a an indication of a, of a vascular disease as relates to supplying blood to the to the brain. I mean, that's a that's sort of a in a nutshell, some of the manifestations, common manifestations of heart disease and of uh, brain disease, cerebral vascular disease. Yeah, I think you, you covered a lot of important ground there. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the, the common presentation of congestive heart failure, shortness of breath, swelling in the legs. Uh, we talked about coronary disease, um, chest pain, worsening pain with exertion. You know, you've keyed in on something. If someone thinks they're having symptoms that could be a heart attack or congestive heart failure, if this is new for you. If, if these symptoms are something you haven't really experienced, I think the answer is you go to the emergency room, right? You know, time is key. The sooner we intervene in someone who's having a having a heart attack uh, or a stroke, the greater the outcome, the, the less damage that can can occur. So you need to you need to act quickly. You need you need to be knowledgeable uh, about heart disease and stroke. And again, that's where the P comes in as a as a hospital system. We need to do a, a good job of educating the public about heart disease and when it's appropriate to go to the emergency room. And, um, and we need to also improve the, the primary care that's, uh, that's provided to patients so that they're not going to the emergency room when it's inappropriate. But all of that is through, as a hospital system, our partnering with patients to, to educate them so that, that we can improve the health of this community, of these all of our communities, and to decrease the disparities that exist between uh, between different uh, segments of this community. Yeah, I think you said it. Salient point I want to pick up on. It's I know it's no fun to go to the emergency room, right? Patients don't love going to the ER, but I think you know, in the face of a possible heart attack or coronary disease, you know. This is what hospitals do, right? We we are trained and we are technical and we are proficient at dealing with this. You will be seen quickly. You will be evaluated quickly. You will get blood work. You'll get an EKG. You'll have all the sort of requisite testing done. And if they find something, it's actionable, right? And this is what you do, Dr. Lawrence. You're an interventional cardiologist. You can, you can fix some of these things in these patients if you find them quickly enough. Dr. Lawrence, do you have resources that we can share with the listeners um, if people want to get more educated about heart disease, risk factors, or managing blood pressure? Sure. Uh, the American Heart Association has spent considerable time developing uh, educational materials for the public related to, to heart disease. Uh, its website is www.heart.org. Uh, another thing that we didn't talk a lot of, about it's a whole notion of whether or not you should have your own blood pressure device and measure your blood pressure at home. The answer is that you should, but we should also recognize that about 80% of the devices that are sold uh, on Amazon, for instance, they're not validated devices, 80%. If you wanna get a device that works, that's validated, there's a site that's called validatebp.org. We talked about the M, the, the measure part of MAP. It starts with having a device that is a validated device. And uh, again, that's, that's validatebp.org. 
and heart.org. That, those are good places to uh, to start. Okay. I think we'll uh, we'll leave it there. That's about all the information we have time for today. I want to thank my guest for this great conversation, Dr. Willie Lawrence. Thank you, Dr. Lawrence, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You bet. And I will leave you today with this healthy thought. Heart disease is the number one killer, but with better disease prevention efforts like diet and lifestyle modification, improved access to healthcare, management of chronic diseases like hypertension, and early recognition and treatment of heart attacks, we can lower our risk of heart attacks and overcome this treatable and preventable disease. 